and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap. My name is Janine Ryan and with me today is Farmers Weekly News Editor Yolinda Schroeder. We will be telling you what you can expect from the 28th May issue of Farmers Weekly, which will be on shelf on 21 May. On the cover this week, we feature a story about the importance of biosecurity in broiler production. This is particularly relevant today as South Africa continues to battle an outbreak of avian influenza. Uh, Yolinda, so what is the current news on this? I think I read somewhere that over a million birds had been culled, a million hens had recently been culled. Yes, um, at this stage there, there hasn't been any further outbreaks, but um, industry role players anticipate that there will be more because it's mainly spread by aquatic wild birds. So, um, yeah, at this stage... We're holding thumbs. We don't really know what to expect. Yeah, so this is why biosecurity is so important, which I'll get to in a bit. Um, also featured on the cover is a story about fuel hedging, which I know the word hedging immediately makes some people's eyes gloss over. But this article tries to break it down into sizable pieces of information that are easy to digest, even for those of us who may not understand economics too well. Um, also on the cover is a story about silo certificates in South Africa and why these are crucial in a grain holding business. The cover also features an article on timing the planting of your soybean crop accurately to optimize yield. So let's turn our attention to biosecurity. Ben Chris Bronkhurst runs a boiler business in Hazyview and produces around 4,000 boilers a week. He says that his main priority is chicken health. So why the focus on chicken health? The answer is simple. Healthy chickens are simply more productive. In order to ensure that he catches signs of disease early, he carefully monitors his birds and instructs his staff to do the same. The most important diseases in Hazyview to look out for is coxidosis and the common cold. Avian influenza is, of course, also a concern, but Bronchos says it is relatively rare. Coxiodosis is a bacterium already present in a chicken's gut. Stress, however, can cause a bacteria to reproduce more rapidly, causing illness in the birds. As such, it's vital to keep chickens as happy and stress-free as possible. Poor air quality and low temperatures can lead to birds developing the common cold. Here are a few things that you need to look out for, says Bronkhurst. And it's not very appetizing, but the color of the bird's feces can tell you a lot. Maroon, for example, indicates blood in the feces, which is most likely caused by cosiodosis, while white feces could be a sign that the birds have a cold. You don't want to know why that is. <laughs> I'm going to go into that. Before bringing new chicks onto the farm, Bronchos suggests that you prepare the chicken houses. This means that the drinkers, feeders, and even the walls and floors must be properly cleaned and sanitized. This is to ensure that the chicks stay as healthy as possible by eliminating possible dangerous pathogens. He also says that used litter and manure should be removed from the houses and the farm as these can attract wild birds that could transmit various illnesses, including avian influenza. The crop story this week focuses on the importance of timing when planting soybean. Farmers Weekly speaks to Harry Schumann in Ermelo about his planting strategy. He implements a crop rotation program of maize and soybean. He plants soybean between 25 September and 1 October every year in the maize residue. Schumann says that growing his soybeans earlier means that the plants have extra time to grow and can take advantage of the extra sunlight during the crucial growing period in summer. 
He also says that this helps the plants withstand heavier rain in December as they are bigger at this point. In an experiment he conducted on his farm, two soybean lands were planted 20 days apart. Scrimmon says that the soybean planted first yielded one ton per hectare more than the crop planted later. He also pays special attention to the micro and macro elements in his soil at different stages of growth. Let's now turn our attention to the news. Yulinda, what do you have for us? Well, we've had some scandal in the industry in recent weeks with Dr. Baptiste Dungo, CEO of Onishapur Biological Products, being served with a notice of precautionary suspension. Rene Kenosi, chairperson of the OBP board, who recently tabled the state-owned enterprise's annual performance plans for 2021 and 2022 to the Portfolio Committee on Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, said he received various allegations against Dungu and others that range from irregular procurement to employment contracts. The move was welcomed by Gerard Skitter, CEO of the Red Meat Producers Organization, who expressed hope that improved management at OBP would result in fewer vaccine supply constraints. Then, the board of directors at the Mill Producers Organization also recently announced the suspension of CEO Chris van Dijk and said it was embarking on a strategic restructuring of the organization. In a letter to both members and non-members, the MPO said it would enable the board to investigate the reorganization of the organization without hindrance. MPO chairperson Colin Wellbeloved said the aim was to make the MPO leaner, meaner and fit for purpose. He stressed, however, that Van Dijk was not, not under investigation for any wrongdoing and there was no disciplinary action against him. Uh, is, was there anything interesting on the web news front this week or this past week? The main story on the website was the tabling of the Agricultural Department's budget in Parliament by Minister Toko de Diza on 13 May. She announced that the department's total budget for the 2021-2022 financial year was 16.9 billion, with the Commission on Restitution of Land Rights being allocated 3.3 billion. Responding to the Minister's address, Christopher de Rieder, Executive Director of AgriSSAE, said South Africa's commercial agriculture sector needs the same support as new farmers. This after Dedisa outlined the support measured provided to new farmers by the department. We should not be under the impression that all commercial farmers are faring well at the moment. Export industries such as maize, meat, macadamia nuts and table grapes are experiencing an upswing, but a large proportion of commercial producers find themselves in dire financial straits. Marlene Lowe, senior agricultural economist at APSA Agribusiness, on the other hand, described the budget as well-balanced. She said the fact that the DESA addressed the National Growth and Development Strategy, as well as specific practical issues that were currently constraining the industry, made for a balanced presentation. Uh, I have to agree with Fandereira on this. With the uh, drought in the eastern and northern Cape, there's been very little support from government for those farmers. And it's just getting worse and worse, it seems. Um, another story I found interesting this week 
um, in the magazine was the story on nanotech. Tech, is it nanotech technology or just nanotech? Nanotechnology. Nanotechnology. <laughs> um, so I'm ashamed to say, but I actually don't know anything about this or even what it is. So could you elaborate on that? Well, many farmers are oblivious to the fact that nanotechnology is already being used in many agricultural products. It's basically a process that involves the manipulation of particles that are smaller than 100 nanometers in size. And how, how does it benefit agriculture? How is it being used in agriculture? Well, there are many advantages. Um, it works because it works with much smaller particles than conventional com commercial products. It is much better absorbed and de uh, therefore require lower dosages than with conventional products. The environmental footprint of these products is also much smaller than their conventional counterparts and thus turning them into valuable aids in precision agriculture and the battle against climate change. When it comes to pesticides and herbicides, the technology can produce targeted effects ranging from slowing down the release rate to reducing lethal concentrations and prolonging the time the products are active or give protection, while the greater efficacy and more targeted use allow farmers to overcome problems with pesticide and herbicide resistance. It can also result in less water being needed during the application and fuel savings, as fewer applications might be necessary than with conventional products. In post-production applications, it can be used to extend the shelf life of products or to identify decay. And lastly, it also promises to revolutionize livestock production, ranging from diagnostics to the treatment and prevention of diseases. Um, is there any indication of what this will be used for in the future, what, where in the process of this technology we are? Yeah, a recent study published in Veterinary Medicine in 2020 um, basically indicated that the technology would become so advanced over the next few years that it might help to eliminate bacterial infection within seconds rather than the weeks that it takes now with antibiotic treatments, for example. Wow, okay. That's quite amazing. And I don't know why I haven't heard about it before. Um, so that's it from us for this week. Please remember to follow us on social media and to go out and buy the 28th May issue, which will be on shelf on the 21st of May. Um, from me and from Yolinda, we wish you a good week and keep safe and happy farming. Bye.